Good morning. Today is Tuesday, July 6, 2021. In our Parsha this week, it's the double portion of Matos Masai, we have a section near the very end of the Book of Bamidbar describing Ir Miklat, the cities of refuge. So the way that works, this works is, it was a part of the Jewish judicial system. If a person, God forbid, committed a murder through negligence or accident, then the sentence was that that person was sent to an ear miklat, a city of refuge, to live. And they would go to live there with their family. They would work there. They would live there for a certain amount of time. And the idea of it is that a person who took someone else's life certainly caused tremendous, unspeakable harm, the ultimate harm, taking someone's life. But it was an accident. It was through negligence. They didn't willfully commit this crime. So the Torah considers that that person is worthy of rehabilitation. And the purpose and design of these cities of refuge, which were spread out throughout the land of Israel, was to provide this positive environment for rehabilitation. The majority of the people living in these cities were people of upstanding uh, moral and spiritual level, and they were role models. So what would happen is a person and their family would come to live for a certain amount of time surrounded by these positive role models to be able to rehabilitate, to be able to serve their sentence and come out as better people, more able to integrate within society. This is one of the earliest known examples of what today is referred to as restorative justice, or sometimes it's referred to as alternative sentencing. It, it looks at rehabilitating a person instead of punitive justice. There are aspects of Jewish law that do make use of punitive justice, but this is an example where, as I said, the Torah considers this person capable of rehabilitation. What they did was negligent or an accident. They can learn to be more careful. They can learn to have greater respect for life so that they are not negligent again. And this is a structure that's intended to support that. And the truth is, even though we do not have these cities today, uh, it only existed during the time when the Beit HaMikdash was standing in Jerusalem, only in Israel, only when the great Sanhedrin would meet in Yerushalayim and the entire system of Jewish law, both civil and criminal, was in practice. But the truth is there are many lessons that we can learn from this passage, from this subject, to apply to the criminal justice system today in terms of restorative justice, rehabilitation, etc. There's one detail that's quite curious, and that is the question, how long was the sentence? Normally, prison is a very, very different system. I would argue prison is exactly the opposite of this because it sends a person to the worst possible environment where they're surrounded exclusively by other people who have committed crimes. So I don't think 
prison is a very good idea for today's society at all. But how long was the term? If you're sent to one of these cities of refuge, how long did you have to stay? So the Torah in our parsha says something quite curious. The Torah says it had nothing to do with the crime and nothing to do with who you are or who the victim was or any of the details. It simply had to do with the date that you were sentenced. Because the Torah says in our parsha, the Yashaba and the person and their family would stay in this city Admos HaKohen HaGadol until the death of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest who was the spiritual leader of the Jewish people during the time that the Beis was standing. So there are two immediate questions about this length of sentence. The first is, what's the connection between the death of the Kohen Gadol, which is after all this nat national event, uh, presumably the person that committed the crime didn't even know the Kohen Gadol, might not have even known the Kohen Gadol. The victim might not have had any connection to the Kohen Gadol. So what is the death of the Kohen Gadol have to do with these individual people uh, in these cities of refuge being able to go free? That's question number one. Question number two is, it seems glaringly unfair that two people sentenced to the same sentence for the same type of crime might have to serve very, very different lengths. One person might have to serve, I don't know, a day if it just so happened that the Kohen Gadol passed away that day. Let's say, you know, you have a Kohen Gadol, God forbid, he's 119 years old. He's, uh, you know, uh, in his last moments. And, um, but before he passes away, there's this fellow and the Sanhedrin sentences him to Golos. He might get there and five minutes later, he would go free. The same, another person sentenced the next day might get sentenced when there's already a new coin Gadol. He could be 25 years old. He could stay there, I don't know, for another 75 years. How is it fair that one person's sentence might be so short and another person's sentence might be so long? Both of these questions are very good questions and they should be addressed at another time. I've discussed them at other times and they deserve their own treatment at another time. But for now, I want to zero in on a specific detail that sounds on the surface very, very strange. So the Talmud in Masechta Makos discusses this whole subject with all of the details. What kind of crime? What was the city like? What was the procedure for being sentenced there? And then the Talmud adds a comment. So remember, all these people in this city, in these cities, are stuck in this city of refuge until the Kohen Gadol dies. Presumably, the people who are there would like to be able to go home. So presumably, how are they going to get home? The only thing they can do is to pray for the death of the Kohen Gadol. I realize it's not a nice thing, chas v'shalom, but it's the only way they're going to be able to go home. It's the only way they're going to be able to resume, resume their lives. So the Gemara says that presumably people, maybe not all of them, but some of them 
live, sentenced in these cities would be praying for the Kohen Gadol to die. Okay? Then the Talmud says, the mother of the Kohen Gadol would bake treats and bring them to the people who were stuck in these cities. And then these people would not pray for the death of the Kohen Gadol. They would not pray for the death of her son, God forbid. Here's a woman. She has a son who happens to be Kohen Gadol. And there are people praying that he should die. So she brings them treats. If they're not so upset there, they won't pray for the death of her son. That's what the Talmud says. So let's ask two questions. Number one, the people who are sentenced to be in these cities, they are convicted criminals. Yes, negligent or accidental, but they are criminals. They did an act that resulted in someone's death. Now you're telling me that these criminals who were sentenced to be in this place are going to pray to Davin, to pray to God that the Kohen Gadol should die. You're telling me that that prayer has some kind of value? Would God listen to the prayer of a criminal who's praying for the death of the most righteous, holy person, the spiritual leader of the Jewish people, the Kohen Gadol? What kind of effect could such a prayer even have? Why would the mother's of the Kohen Gadol be worried about such a prayer. And secondly, once you assume that the mother of the Kohen Gadol is worried about such a prayer, that somehow there is some effect or value or potential strength in this prayer, and so the mother of the Kohen Gadol is worried about the prayers of these people who are in the cities of refuge. Let me ask you a question. Bringing them some cookies is going to change something. <laughs> you have a person, he's stuck there, he's praying to go home. Somehow, let's assume for a moment that there is some strength to that prayer because you give him fresh cookies, he's not going to pray to go home? How does that, how does that make sense? How does that change anything? Rabbi Biederman explains, the answer to both questions is yes and yes. Let me explain. The prayer, even of a criminal, praying for something that is so outrageous, the death, of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, can indeed be very powerful because that prayer comes from the depth of his heart. It's a prayer of pain. It's a prayer, God, save me, help me, get me out of this place. Yes, the prayer may be for a terrible outcome, for the death of a tzaddik, a righteous person. Yes, that's true. But it's a prayer that comes from a broken heart. 
And as we've discussed many times, that is what the power of a prayer depends on. It's intensity. It's desperation. It's total reliance on God and only God for healing and redemption. And so, yes, the mother of the Kohen Gadol feared this prayer and worried about her son because this was a heartfelt prayer that might somehow pierce heaven and affect the outcome relating to her son. So she would bake and distribute goodies to the people who are living there. Did that cause those sentenced there to stop praying for the death of the Kohen Gadol? Of course not. They continued to pray for his death. But their prayers no longer had the same passion, no longer had the same brokenness of spirit. How much of a broken heart can you really have while you're eating fresh chocolate chip cookies with nuts? And when those cookies are handed to you by this woman who only wants her son to live and you're eating her fresh cookies and you're looking into her tearful eyes, you may still pray, but you will not pray with the same intensity and feeling. And when the prayer loses its heart and its heat, then the prayer loses its power. And the mother of the Kohen Gadol feels that she has helped save her son. What an essential lesson for every single one of us every time we pray. This mitzvah is not practically relevant to us and has not been practically relevant for thousands of years. But the lesson that comes from it is applicable to us every single day, every time we pray. Are we praying like our lives are at stake and only God can save us? Or are we praying while eating chocolate chip cookies. It makes all the difference in the power of our prayers. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.